0: But Jesus, Lord of all, raise the anthem. Our loudest praises ring. We crown Him. Jesus, Lord of all...
1: amen and good morning wow what a word jesus is better than all Mm. uh we're going to be on page 671 this morning pretty close to the middle of the bibles there in the church bible 671 we're going to be in psalm 77 beginning verse 11. it's a little bit long but wow i think it's uh, worth the time to read so real quick as far as prayer requests let's keep olga and gabriel and everly in our prayers They've all got just the crud, as far as we know, just the head stuff, allergies, and coughing, and Everly has a little bit of fever, Linda says, and so um, just pray healing over that family and that they will feel Jesus' presence and warmth uh, as they try to recover. Also, Amanda Haynes had gallbladder surgery in the last week or so, okay, and she's recovering, and that can be a little difficult to kind of get the stomach and all that readjusted after that surgery, so we'll pray that... That all will go well with her amanda and and daniel and their family so keep them in your prayers all right we're going to read verses 11 through 20. this is such a reminder after what we've been learning on friday night studies um, about how god is an amazing god will well the more we learn the less we realize that we know about the expanse of his plans and uh, His will and what he has done in the past. This is an amazing scripture that grabbed me. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great, a God, as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea. Your path in great waters. And your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock. By the hand... Of Moses and Aaron it's an amazing word let's pray <clears throat> father we bless you that not only are you just such a mighty God that we can hardly understand with our minds but not only are you just so righteous so omnipotent so omnipresent you're a forever being and forever before forever after But you also devised a plan that goes from the beginning of this word, the Bible that we read of, to the very end of your word that involves your love and your grace and your affection toward us, your people. We are amazed that you, in your greatness, would care for us. And so we come humbly this morning, and Lord, we just praise you. We give you all honor. We give you all praise, and Lord, we just thank you that you would teach us what you teach us, and Lord, you would expand our knowledge, Lord, continually as we continue to study in your word weekly. Uh, We bless you. I praise you for this place to meet today, Lord, that we would um, just be covered by your spirit here today as we come, we open your word, and we just dig to find out more about your will and who you are, who Jesus is, and who your Holy Spirit is in our lives today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you give us such a treasure in this word, that if we dig, if we'll seek, if we'll not, we'll find answers for our daily lives. Bless you, Jesus, we pray, and I pray your presence be here today. Uh, in all the rooms here, Lord, uh, all rooms where there's teaching going on, Lord, we pray that your, your plan, your seed continue to be planted and carried out in these places today. Bless you, and uh, we pray that our, our praise and song to you uh, is worthy of you. In your holy name we pray these things. Amen.
2: So quiet my heart, I'm listening.
3: morning it's a cold crisp morning isn't it and I understand we're going to have a little rain this week and a, a little snow possibly and so thank the Lord for all these seasons and all these places well I'm excited about the story the story the uh and it is a story the the title that the Lord gave me for this message is uh, The Greatest Love Story. And so um, it's some things that we may have talked about in the past and and looked at before, but the Lord has really put upon my heart that this is where we needed to be reminded of today. And so um, I look forward to going back and reviewing and understanding, but I also look to the places that he draws us into deeper places in these places. So so today I want to talk about the greatest love story is in the Bible. You know, as we draw close to February, I thought it was interesting that this was where God was drawing me, because February... Reminds us quickly of Valentine's Day, and val- Valentine's Day is such the time that we begin to think that love is in the air, and we see all of the, uh, as I walk through the stores already and, and through the grocery store, there's heart candies everywhere, and uh, people are already even talking about buying the something for your significant other or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or for your husband or your wife and and it's all about this place of love and whereas I think that love is certainly not something we want to um, make light of I think God created it and that's what we have to remember is that this place was established because of him and because of his great love for his people. And I loved as, as we were singing this morning, and, and these places of prayer reminded us of the places of his love for his people. So the Lord took me back, and he said, uh, let's start with Revelation 19. So if you'll turn to page uh, 1422. page 1422, Revelation 19, Revelation 19, verse 1, says, After these things I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped, God who worshiped God, who sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne, saying, Praise our God, all you servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thunder, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. So in this place that John is writing, he is writing about a lot of places right before this that are referred to as the great tribulation and where there's a lot of destruction and a lot of um, places that the enemy is destroying God's people. And then he comes to this place and he says, after these things, so after all the destruction and after the enemy, after these places have come, then he comes and he says I heard a loud voice a great multitude in heaven so in the heavens he began to hear all of the spiritual beings the seraphims the cherubims the living creatures the elders all of the all of the angels are in heaven and they're all singing and saying hallelujah but it is so loud that it sounds like a great multitude in heaven he goes on to say a little later that it sounds like the uh, in verse 6 it says I heard it as it were the voice of the great multitude sounded like many waters and the sound of a mighty thunderings I was thinking about what it must sound like to stand at Niagara Falls and the power of the great waters flooding over and making this noise. I've always heard that it's so loud it's difficult to hear each other when you're close to that. It's a very loud noise. And I think that John is writing to us and he's saying they are singing in such a magnificent way that it is so awesome. But so loud and so amazing and so powerful. This word he uses here that the Lord is omnipotent and he talks about that he is he is powerful. That's what that word means. He is powerful and he is salvation. It says salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord. And I think he's helping us to have some small understanding and glimpse of how the heavenly beings see him in this place of great power and authority to honor and bring glory to his name. But I also see that in this place, they are rejoicing over the fulfillment of God's plan. And sometimes I think we lose sight of the excitement that that's going to be. And so I believe God takes us back today to try to draw our hearts into remembering what's going on in the midst of the battles here, the ultimate goal of what God has in store for his people. And I believe that we see this in verse Uh, seven when it says let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready you see as we come to the close of the bible the close of the book the very tail end here we begin to see the fullness of what the whole Bible is about, the love story between God and his creation in mankind. So he reminded me of this, and he wanted to take us back to some time ago when he began to show us many years ago about how this was to be seen through the Jewish weddings. Our weddings have um, a, tr- a little bit different take to them, and the betrothal time has a little bit different time, but really and truly the place that we're going to focus on today is the understanding of what a wedding and a betrothal and engagement look like in the time of Jesus and in the time of the writing of the Bible. And so we want to start with this place of understanding how the engagement would, re- how it would go. And so at that point in time, um, things weren't like they are today. Today, a young man asks a young lady to marry him. They've usually been dating for quite some time. They've gotten to know each other, and they make this choice on their own. That was not the case during the Jewish times of Jesus and the writing of the Bible. No, the fathers decided Who was going to marry who? Now, some of us dads in here, or some of you dads in here, might think that would be still a good idea, that you could have a voice in how that was going to be. But things have changed. But I think it's powerful that God takes us back to look at this place, that the fathers, particularly the father of the groom, made the decision... Of who the bride was going to be for his son and he would decide this and then he would go to the father of the bride and he would kind of work out the details of how that was going to be and then the prospective groom would leave his father's house and he would go to find the prospective bride. He would travel to her house. And when he would get to her house, he would pay a price that had been agreed upon for him to marry. And um, he would pay, he would know that this price ahead of time so he would be prepared for this and he would pay a price to ask the father for the hand of his daughter at that point at that point she would decide he would go to see her and be able to propose the opportunity for this marriage to happen and he would be um i'm sure in his best ways uh, presenting what he would have to offer for this bride to receive this offering and uh, so Before I go much further in this place, I want to take us back to some scriptures that help us to see Jesus and God's love for his people in these understandings. So turn with me to page 1342, Ephesians 1. On page 1342. And Paul writes here, starting in verse 3, he said, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. I see this place. It's the Father. The Father it says, blessed be the God and the Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So before the foundation of the world, the Father had a plan of how this would unfold, of the... Who the bride would be for his son, and he chose us before the foundation of the world. Then I want to turn to John 6, it's on page 1228. John 6, verse 38. We remember that as the father during these times would determine who the bride would be and then the groom would travel from his house, he would leave his father's house to go to the house of the bride. So we're looking at John 6, verse 38 says for jesus writes for i have come down from heaven so he's left his father's house not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me this is the will of the father who sent me that all he has given me i should lose nothing but should raise it up in the last days but jesus is writing here and he's saying i am i'm come down from heaven i've left my house of my father's i've left my father's house to come down to do his will to pursue the bride then let's turn to first corinthians it's on page 1315 page 1315 1 corinthians 6 And Paul writes here, he's in verse 19, he writes, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you've been bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You've been bought with a price. So as we remember, the... The groom, the prospective groom, would go to the house of the, of the bride, and he would pay the price that was necessary for that bride. And Jesus did the same thing. He left his home with the Father. He traveled a great distance to earth to, to pursue his bride, and in this place has paid the price, the penalty and the price that was for the girl, for the bride, I'm sorry, for the bride. And um, then at that point, she would have a place where she could decide if she was willing to receive the offer of the marriage. And after the proposal, after the groom has... um, told her about himself and who he is and shown himself to her then she would have an opportunity to decide if she wants to receive the offer that the groom is making and in this place i love the pictures that um are given here in this wedding ceremony or this uh, betrothal wedding marriage covenant really is what it is they considered that when this betrothal time came and the groom came to the, to the prospective bride, then they would determine whether or not they were getting married because she would decide whether she would receive his offer. At that point, a covenant was made, and it was actually considered a marriage covenant at that moment. It didn't happen and wait a year later when they have the ceremony. But at the time when the bride and the groom have decided upon this place, it was considered such a strong covenant that the marriage covenant was already considered to be in place. And the way that she would answer him was that he would fill a small glass with wine and he had given her an understanding of what he would do for her and how he would take care of her and how he would love her and what he would provide for her and all that he would be giving her and he would fill this glass with wine and then he would scoot it across the table and leave it in the center of the table If the bride was to receive who he was and in agreement to be married to him, she would take the glass and drink of the wine. And then he would know that she would be his bride, that she would honor this place of marriage from this moment own from this moment forward she would consider that she was already committing to the covenant of marriage I know that we have studied the place of the Lord's Supper and understand the Passover and the four cups of wine that have great understanding about the blood and redemption that is the picture in the Lord's Supper. But I believe the Lord wants us today to remember there are more than one picture oftentimes in the Bible that we should be holding to. And I believe today that the Lord is calling us to be reminded of this place and this covenant. So I want to turn uh, to page Thirteen twenty, just a few pages over, first Corinthians eleven. And Paul writes, um, let's start in verse twenty three. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is for you. Now, this in your Bible it says broken. In some Bibles it says given. That's not actually in the Greek. So I've actually taking that word out in my Bible, broken. It wasn't that his body was broken. But he says, take and eat my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He says, this cup is the new covenant. And that's exactly what the bridegroom was saying to the prospective bride. He was saying, if you drink of this cup, you are entering into a new covenant with me. He is offering it to you. He is offering it to each of us as the bride turn with me to Matthew 26:29. Uh it's um oh I don't have a page for you. Let me give you a page. Matthew 26:29. It's on page 1146. This is where Jesus is at the Passover with his disciples. Let's look at verse 27. It says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So the picture in this place is as the bride, prospective bride, picks up the cup and drinks of it. then she sets it back down the groom knows that she has joined into this covenant relationship at this point he will not drink of this place again with her until they meet again at the night of the marriage ceremony jesus says i won't drink this again till The day that I drink it anew with you in the new kingdom at the marriage. At the marriage of the lamb. So I love understanding this place as the bride and the groom come into this covenant relationship. They both agree that they're starting a new covenant. It's right here. It's right now. It's not at the day that the marriage ceremony happens. At this point, then the husband, the prospective husband, the groom, uh, returns to prepare a home for the prospective bride. And he tells her, he says, I'm going to be going back to my father's house. And in that day, the father of the groom had a, a, a fairly uh, big house, but that was for his family. When the groom was having this, uh, uh, going to have a new bride, the groom would actually build onto the house a new section that would be the home for the bride and groom but it would be a part of the father's house. And uh, the bride would stay with her family until the wedding while the groom goes home and begins to build this home, this new home. So I want to turn to John 14. It's on page 1241. Jesus is talking with his disciples and he's telling them that he's going to be crucified and that um, he will be raised again and their hearts are troubled. But as I was reading this, I was also reminded of how Jesus is this picture of the groom and how the groom would be talking to the bride and how excited she would be that this was about to all happen and that she's about to get married and this uh, young man has come and made this great offer to her and the excitement that she must be in. And then he says, listen, I'm leaving. And about the time that she would be excited about knowing who he is, he's leaving. And he's going to be gone about a year because it usually took them about a year to complete the house, not always, and the bride wouldn't know exactly when he would be coming back, but it would take some time. But she would wait in great anticipation of when the the groom would return. So I saw as Jesus was writing these words or saying these words to the disciples, I thought about this place. And he he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. I could hear the groom saying this so clearly to the bride. He's saying, I know we've just talked about this great place, and we're going to have this great day together soon. But I have to go prepare this place for you. And he says, so don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be troubled. You can believe in God in what He's doing here, and you can believe in me. And he says, "In my house, there are many mansions. Many rooms is really a better word for this place. And Daniel really did a whole teaching that was great on this place um, a few months ago. But he says, "I go to prepare a place for you." He says, "There's a lot of places in my father's house already." But I'm going to build a special place, a place for you. And you will always be with me. I think so many times that when we think about heaven, we think about the great mansions and we think about the streets being paved with gold and and all the excitement of how that must look and I think it probably is and I think that is going to be a wonderful place but I think about the bride and I think about sitting across the table from the groom I don't think she was focused on that I don't think she was focused on how great is he going to make my part of the house Is it going to have all the newest things in it? Is it going to be more special than the rest of the house? Is it going to have everything I need? I don't think she was in that place. I think she was in the place of saying, I'm going to be with you forever. And I think that is the place that held her heart in this place of covenant. Another place that's really powerful that I love seeing is when the groom was ready to leave. Then he would give the bride a special gift, a gift she could hold on to. had to be something very valuable, something she could treasure, but something that she knew was from him, and she could hold on to it. For the months and months and months that she's waiting on his return. So turn with me to John 16. It's on page 1244, just a few pages over. John 16, and we're going to look at starting in verse 5. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, and he says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you and when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A little while... And you will not see me. And again, a little while. And you will see me because I go to the Father. So Jesus is helping us to understand this place as he is leaving. He's telling the prospective bride, his disciples, his followers, the church, he's telling them, I am leaving, I'm going away, but I'm going to leave you with a gift a valuable gift, and it is this place of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to guide us into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but everything that he knows of the Father and of the Son, he speaks. And he will guide you, and it will glorify Jesus, and it will guide you into truth. And I love this place in verse 15. It says, All things that the Father has are mine. The Son is saying, All that's here is mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So he will take of the truths that Jesus is wanting us to hear the things of the Father and he will declare it to you. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. And then Jesus says, A little while... And you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Jesus is saying, just as the bridegroom said, he said, I'm going to be gone. Now Jesus did come back after a little while, and he was with them for 40 days, and then he departed again. And the bridegroom is gone to prepare the house. Jesus has gone to prepare the house, but he's given a gift that we can draw closer to him even now when he's gone, when he's away from us before he returns. Turn with me to page um, 1143, one page back on page, um, no, 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 I'm sorry. This is going to be at page 1143, not 1243. And it's Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 36. And it's on page 1143. Jesus says here, he says, But of that day, the day of his return, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but the Father only. So the understanding that comes from this engagement time, this betrothal time, when the groom is over preparing a home for the bride, he doesn't determine when he'll go get his new bride. The Father makes that decision the father inspects the room the father watches over the situation and the father determines when the groom would go and receive his bride so I see as well that Jesus is saying no one knows the day or the hour no the bridegroom he didn't know the day or the hour, and the bride didn't know the day or the hour. But rather, there was this unknown time that only the Father knew. And that's the way it is with Jesus. Only the Father knows. Turn with me to First Thessalonians. It's on page 1358. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is a place that oftentimes we read when we're um, studying the feast and looking at Sukkot. But I think with the things we've talked about today and understanding these places, I think you will appreciate as Paul is writing, starting in verse 13 says, but I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So what's going on here, as I see, is that there was a lot of discussion about what is going to happen when Jesus returns for his bride. He's, and they're saying, what is, hap- is going to happen to those that have fallen asleep? They're not here. And Jesus is coming back for his bride. What will happen to them? And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. I want you to understand that those who have died, who've fallen asleep before you. And in verse 14, he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means perceive those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we are al- who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with him. I'm sorry, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So Paul is writing and he's saying, when Jesus comes back for his bride, for his children, for the church, when Jesus returns, it says right here that there will be a great shout from the archangel and with the trumpet. There will be a great celebration will begin. But he says those who have died, who have fallen asleep, if they were in Christ Jesus, if they knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior, if they had accepted the covenant, if they've drank of the cup, if they have agreed to, to the covenant to the marriage covenant in this place they will rise first and then those that remain will be caught up in the air with him I think the great place that we want to um, to see all the all the great symbolic places in this Jewish betrothal engagement and truly the marriage covenant that has begun. I think it's true. There's so many awesome places to see. But where I really felt the Lord was drawing us today was out of understanding this place of the cup. That he has brought this cup of wine and he's filled it up with his blood. And he's placed it on the table before us. And he's asked us if we want to be a part of the covenant. And just as we take communion every week, we, every time we come to the communion table, to the Lord's Supper, he's asking us the same thing. He's saying, are you still in covenant with me? Turn back to Revelation 19 on page 1422. Hmm. You see, the day will come when Revelation 19 happens. And let's read what's going to be. It says, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, Alleluia, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all his servants and those who fear him both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thunders, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. I believe the question today is the marriage supper of the Lamb the day will come have we made ourselves ready are we walking continuously ever faithful to the covenant that we've committed to will we be found Ready when the Lord returns. Thank you. If you'll stand with me, please.
0: a cry from the depths of our hearts, heaven come down, will not be silenced, can't be contained, the cry of a people, a priesthood, a nation, called by your name. Darkness redeemed from the night bathed in His glory reflecting His light Oh, what a beautiful bride From every nation from every tribe clothed with His righteousness fully alive hear those songs